This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine by Seal, published 2020. Chapter 15, A Crack in the Glass, Part 2. Get free. By November, I had now gone to school, dropped out of school, been a zombie seamstress, a student, and a homeless person. After the conga player, the anger I felt spurred me on to try and put some semblance of a stable life together for myself, by myself. It began with a stay at the YWCA as I looked around for work and housing. I ended up in a flat on Northwest Gleason. This step up for me was underwritten by my maintaining three jobs. I was a waitress at the Veritable Quandary, the Elephant Castle, and the Euphoria. The Euphoria was frightening for me, yet exciting. I was timid after being married with children in rural Oregon, and I was way out of my league with those hipsters. It was an eye-opener for me on how people lived, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but in long pants as opposed to the short pants version of my youth. I never developed a taste for the lifestyle, though. I didn't party much. I didn't like weed, and I stayed away from the coke. I had done all the drugs I wanted in high school, and after all I went through with my emergence, no, no to drugs. I don't know what I was looking for at the euphoria, to be honest. Something of the zeitgeist of the times, perhaps. The music was the lure. The clientele were typical drunks and the work hard. I recall that experience as an outline on the ground of a homicide scene, the outline being me. I was such a terrible waitress. I told myself I was okay at it until a person caught up with me socially and said they recalled my waiting on them in a restaurant one time. Laughing, they said it was the most pathetic service they had ever had. So the truth of it came home. I suspected as much. I mean, I knew I wasn't very good at it, but I was afraid to really know it. So very few people ever bothered to tell me the truth about things. I usually found out the truth through roundabout means. I had to tell myself I was good at it because my work experience was so slim. Waitressing was all I could do to keep my bread buttered at the time. Standards weren't high for waitresses and even less for barmaids. I passed because I was white could walk fast, smile, and make change. I stuck with bars where the orders were simple and straightforward. I got comfortable in my new life in a relatively short period of time, though I was never a very social person. I had a restless heart and a troubled mind. I tried to cultivate friendships, but the awkwardness that had plagued me as a teen had returned in spades. I made acquaintances at these jobs, working with people, I could pass as someone to get along with as a worker. One or two regulars were exceptionally sweet to me. One in particular is my friend to this day, even as our lives took off on radically different directions. This particular friendship saved me when things got to be too much. I would recall this friendship and remember that I couldn't be that bad. I would write him rambling letters and he would answer them just like normal people do, no judgments. Knowing someone cared meant so much to me 
when it was so hard for me to care for myself or anyone or anything. On the rare occasions that I did lose track of someone I truly cared about, I would grieve for years. Mostly, though, caring deeply was not a luxury I could afford. Being night laborers, it was not uncommon for us to gather in an after-hours joint with other service workers until dawn. I learned to enjoy a drink or two at this time. I had a boyfriend at one juncture, and his friends were unhappy over his interest in me. I received the stink eye from them. This is how it often happened. The cracks in my persona would be spotted if you put me in a certain light. It is always easier for friends of the love interest to spot my flaws. They were right about me, of course. I was beyond any repairs that could have been fashioned at that time. Eventually, the boyfriend came to his senses, and I recall feeling exceptionally bereft during this period. This slipping down became a push and a new normal for me. Disco was happening and was life on the cheap for me. It was, of course, considered bad form by the hip elite and musically refined to be going to these cheap dives, but really all I wanted to do was dance. This was a desperate time of my life. Restaurants that clung fiercely to surviving moved tables aside and installed 10 by 10 dance floors and a sound system. They would rebrand themselves as a disco in hopes of saving their flailing businesses with the appeal of the new trend of loud, bouncy music. I'd crawl inside the music and become it. It didn't even have to be good music. I didn't care. Musical discretion was a sacrifice I made for my frantic need to distance myself from my pain. That was my high, the movement. I was still under the influence of the beehive and its way of keeping my vibration maintained. I have since come to understand that if I don't get exercise, I pay a profound price in my stability, both emotionally and mentally. In this way, the dancing kept me alive. It kept me from falling apart. I once conjoled a co-worker into entering a dance contest with me in one of these little dives. I got costumes together, sailor costumes. The song had to be no more than three minutes, and somehow I found a song that was exactly three minutes long to use. I've no idea how I found the song. It wasn't even disco. It was It's My Party by Leslie Gore, of all the undisco songs I could possibly pick. It was intentionally a farce, of course. My friend and I rehearsed it somewhere. I don't recall how or where. In reflecting, I can't even believe this guy was game to do it. I mean, he wasn't even into dancing. I met a lot of people who were exceptionally nice to me like that in Portland. I wasn't very nice to people for the most part, but I meant to be. I wanted to be. I was broken. Perhaps they saw that. I received more than my fair share of kindness from people in Portland during these times. I was not well mentally and emotionally, and I had no skills to use to assess myself. I was happy being independent, but the happiness was based on being liberated from where I was before, and not something that sprang from within me. I was afraid all the time. I didn't know the first thing about what true happiness was, save for the few days of bliss I had experienced earlier that year, and that seemed to be a fluke. That and the beehive. 
focusing upon these things at this juncture stimulated feelings of deep grief, confusion, and loss. Even if I could, it was too expensive an exotic locale to visit again if I was going to end up violently terrified and mentally deranged a few months later. If I turned up my vibration, anarchy. If I turned it down, abandonment. I had a new kind of wound, one that sprung from what felt like a spiritual invasion, one that I could not embrace as something of value. As I made my way to these new experiences, I still hoped to find some kind of safety somewhere. I spent my entire life looking for safety, but in truth, I was born in jeopardy, and safety was not in my stars. Thank you for listening.